0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show, the show that's like a toilet seat in the winter. It's shocking at first, but then you warm up to it. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, back in the comfy confines of Concord, North Carolina. Yes, I'm off the road for, uh, oh boy, it'll be about 17 full days at home. So we'll see who lasts first. <laughs> um, happy winter solstice to everybody. This is the shortest day of the year. Yeah, sorry Southern Hemisphere, we're going to start taking the sun back from you. Uh, In tonight's show, special holiday extended edition, we're going to talk about, uh, in Pipe Parts, going to deviate a little bit and go into some of the uh, strangest Christmas holiday traditions around the world. And my guest is... uh, Former part-time pipe maker John Crosby, who still will make an occasional pipe here and there, but we'll talk to John. Uh, Music, we'll finish up Christmas with the one and only Bing Crosby. Mailbag, my last of the holiday rant raves, and then stay tuned all the way to the end because I got a special treat for you as we head into uh, Christmas, just a couple days away. Alright, uh, yes, Christmas is just a couple days away. Who has seen Star Wars? I've yet to see it yet. I've yet to see it yet. Of course I haven't seen it yet. Uh, waiting until, uh, some of the crowds wind down and then I can go in the middle of the day to go see it. So, uh, don't tell me anything about it. I don't want to hear anything. No spoiler alerts. So far, everything that I've heard is it's good. Um got all almost all my christmas shopping done so the next couple of days will just be kind of relaxing and fun so all right let's get the show going so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in thank you to the sutliff tobacco company and here we go
1: ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas. what are you looking for in a pipe is it the quality of age briar is it a certain shape or finish Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking arcaboleno red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today.
2: If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cuppajoes.com. cuppajoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. cuppajoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at cuppajoes.com And be sure to like them on Facebook, cuppajoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices.
0: Welcome back to the holiday edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show and yes I hope if uh, I hope you get a chance to uh hope you get a chance to be with friends and family during the holidays and I uh, hope this show gives you a little bit of a respite from all the chaos. Um so my Christmas holiday tradition of the past couple of years has been I've got a, a very large meerschaum, and it's one of the few times out of the year's where I smoke it because it's sit down either on Christmas Eve or uh, Christmas night after everything's done, pour myself a drink, load up that big Meerschaum pipe, and just sit back and watch a movie or watch whatever I want to do. Just relax with that pipe. And it's one of the few times out of the year when I smoke it. Um, Lots of pipe smoking traditions throughout uh, throughout the world with the new Christmas pipe and so on and so on. I was uh, looking around on the internet, and because it's on the internet, it must be true, uh, some strange Christmas traditions from around the world. And here we go. And this is from uh, Fox News, so it's not just some weird website. Uh, South Africa. Uh, This festive South African delicacy is not for the faint-hearted. On Christmas Day, locals tuck into the deep-fried caterpillars of the Emperor Moth. Yeah, deep-fried caterpillars. Um, In Austria, Austrian children live in fear of Krampus, spelled K-R-A-M-P-U-S, a a Christmas devil who's said to beat naughty children with branches. (laughs) Not only get a lump of coal, you get a lump on your head. Um, In Catalonia, Catalonians include the figure of the kaganar c a g a n e r in their nativity scenes a small figure of a man defecating um yeah, they put him in the uh in the nativity scene and it's a man squatting uh, What I find funny is on Fox News the image that they used is a man that is also smoking a pipe at the same time so uh, it goes on to further say that Catalonians also have the Tio de Nadal, otherwise known as the Pooping Log. Uh, decorated with a face and blanket on Christmas Eve, the log is placed halfway into a fire and beaten with sticks. And I thought it was South Park that came up with Mr. Hankey, the Christmas Pooh. No, it's the Catalonians. Um got to be fun people. In Norway, there's no cleaning on Christmas Eve. In Norway, all brooms are safely hidden away in case they're stolen by witches and evil spirits. Uh, Apparently, that's happened in our house a lot of the times during the year because you can't find the brooms. Uh, in In Japan, because of an incredibly powerful advertising campaign in 1974, many Japanese families eat Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Um, In, uh, let's see, skipping forward uh, Germany Germans hide a pickle in the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve The first child to discover it in the morning receives a small gift I know smokingpipes.com has picked up on that uh, Christmas pickle story Um, In uh, Portugal Consoda C-O-N-S-O-D-A is a traditional Christmas morning feast. This is a time for remembering the dead and families lay places for the souls of their late loved ones. There's a nice touch. Not strange at all. Uh, Germany. German children leave a shoe outside the house on December 5th, which is then filled with sweets overnight. Naughty children awake to find a tree branch in the shoe instead, and if they, uh, if they go back to Krampus, then they have to beat themselves with the stick. No, just kidding. Um, in Ukraine, which my family has uh, got some Ukrainian heritage in it, Ukrainians forego tinsel and baubles, instead decorating their Christmas trees with an artificial spider and web. And I saw that, and I thought, that's, that's brilliant, because you just got done decorating for Halloween, so you reuse the same spider and spiderweb. Um, in the Czech Republic, unmarried women stand by a door and throw a shoe over their shoulder. If the toe is pointing towards the door when it lands, they will get married within the next year. Uh, in the Czech Republic, married women just throw their shoes at their husbands. Uh, in Estonia, on Christmas Eve, Estonian families traditionally head to the sauna together. Uh, in Iceland, the Yule Cat is said to stalk the Icelandic hills. Those who don't receive new clothes before Christmas Eve are said to be devoured by this mythical beast. So, in Iceland, if you don't get new clothing, the cat's going to eat you. Uh, if you don't feed the cat, the cat will eat you. In uh, Sweden, since 1966, authorities in Gaval, G-A-V-L-E, have installed a Straw Swedish Yule Goat. However, almost every other year, vandals have succeeded in burning it down. So now we've got a cat, a goat, spiders, uh, a pickle. Uh, and let's see, we'll do one more here. Uh, in Ethiopia, Ethiopians celebrate Christmas on January 7th, people wear white clothes and the men play Ghana, G-A-N-N-A, a -A, a fast-paced game with sticks and wooden balls. I've always thought of observing Christmas on the uh, traditional January date because then you get to use all the after Christmas sales. Alright, there's enough of that. If you want more, go to foxnews.com and uh, just search weirdest Christmas traditions around the world. I thought it was a little bit of fun for you. Alright, in just a minute, John Crosby will be with us. This is Internet Radio.
2: Craftsmanship, History. Tradition these are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on Earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of Burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere.
3: There's nothing
4: quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
3: Ho, ho, ho! Merry
1: Christmas!
0: Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us on the telephone is, uh, well, I guess when we first met you were a part-time pipe maker from the uh, great state of Indiana. Welcome John Crosby to the Pipes Magazine radio show.
5: Hi, Brian. It's nice to be with you.
0: All right, so let's see. Did, did you actually grow up in Indiana?
5: I did not. I grew up in northern Illinois, um, in a little town called Zion, Illinois, which is about as far northeast in Illinois as a person can get before you hit Wisconsin or go into the lake.
0: <laughs> either one's either wet or full of cheese.
5: Um, yep, that's exactly right.
0: So when did you, uh, when did you start smoking a pipe?
5: It must have been around 2001, 2002. I had, this is actually somewhat of an interesting story, maybe, only because it involves somebody who's currently a pipe maker, who at the time was not even, wasn't even thought of being a pipe maker. Um, so I was at Purdue. I had, I was actually in grad school. I was just exiting grad school. And I had, Gotten a job at the in the student services office at Purdue and Adam Davidson was an industrial design student at Purdue at the time, just about to graduate. And he came into my office and I had a bundle of cigars that was in my office that I had delivered that I had ordered in the mail. And he says, You smoke cigars? And I was like, Yeah. And he says, You should smoke a pipe. And I'm like, I thought about smoking a pipe. He goes, ah, you're working at a university, you teach drawing. You ought to smoke a pipe. I'm like, maybe I will. So anyhow, that was about the only extent of it until, I don't know, a few months later, I decided, what the heck? Maybe I'll go get a pipe, maybe I'll go get a pipe like that kid told me to. (laughs) So (laughs) the, uh, so so I went and, uh, I went down. I bought a pipe. Uh, it was a it was one of those little unfinished Savinelli seconds that they sell in uh, in pipe shops, right? They have they have no finish on them. They're just carved wood and a mouthpiece.
6: Yeah.
5: Um, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they have no stain or anything. And uh, so anyway, I bought this thing and I started looking around online because I figured there's got to be somebody on the internet who has told people how to operate this thing. So I happened across a discussion board on on MSN at the time. MSN had groups, and there, there was a pipe discussion board, and uh, there was a bunch of guys on there talking about pipes. So I joined it and looked at it, and then uh, so anyway, I started smoking a pipe uh, on this little uh, this little Savinelli second. Bought a couple of other things off of eBay, uh, nothing real notable. But they, all these guys were talking about the Chicago Pipe Show that had just occurred because this must have been June or so. So I, uh, I look up the, I look up the Chicago Pipe Show. I'm sorry, it was, the Chicago Pipe Show is just coming up. They were talking about it because I called my father. Who's I mean, where I grew up is maybe 45 minutes from Peasant Run. Oh, wow. So I called my father. He and I used to smoke cigars all the time. I said, Dad, there's this, uh, like pipe show right up near you guys. We should go. And he's like, Yeah, sure. But anyhow, then, uh, yeah. So roughly, probably about a grand total of four months after I was smoking a pipe, I was standing at the Chicago Pipe Show. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was kind of like it was kind of going into the deep end of the pool right away,
0: but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, dive right in, Art Boy.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I was like, you know, oh yeah, right. So I was, yeah. I just I named myself Art Guy. Went on the MSN board. There were who was on that board? There were a couple people on that board. Brian Ruthenberg was on that board. That's where I met him. Steve Fallon, if you're familiar with him, right? Yeah. Uh, Pipe Stud, I think he goes by. Yeah out in Waco, Texas, and uh, oh, there was a few others. Brad Davis was on there, I think. Okay. Anyhow, it was like an early discussion board. It was, I assume so, since it's the first one I came across. I, I think they had pipes.org then, too. But I think I got kicked off of it, and I, I can't remember why. It was something really pretty innocuous that I said, just <laughs> as a newbie, right? <laughs> I forget but I just remember some guy giving me an email saying, you yeah, know, you can't be on this board anymore. And I'm like, seriously? Okay. But uh, have you I been... don't know if you remember the old pipes.org. Yeah.
0: Have you been at, Have you been thrown out of better places?
5: I have. Oh. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I may have even have answered him with that.
0: So let's go back to, so you were smoking cigars and Adam conned you into trying a pipe. Um, well, right. what, what was the difference for you between a pipe and a cigar?
5: Um, the thing I, let me see. So, I mean, pipes, obviously, especially with what I, well, you know what? I never really started with it. You know, most people start with aromatics,
6: mm-hmm.
5: like peach, melba or something, right? That they, that they start out with or something heavily vanilla. I never really did that because, I guess, because I, I came across this board, right? So the first tobacco I ever tried was uh, the original Frog Morton. Okay. Which, again, is kind of like going into the deep end of the pool, I realize now. Uh, if you're, you know what I mean, if you're, you know, you have a fairly heavy Latakia blend, right, as your first thing. But it wasn't so bad because, I mean, I smoked a pipe or I smoked cigars, right, and that that's not... I mean, it doesn't taste like a cigar, but it's not entirely different. But the thing that I like—that's a difference. To get back to your question, the—I um, <laughs> um, mean, obviously, the difference is there's more of a ritual to pipe making or pipe making, pipe smoking. So when you're when you're smoking a pipe, there's the packing, there's the you know, there's there's like a, a certain bit of setup, and then there's a uh, there's a certain amount of. Technique when you're smoking it that you don't quite have to worry about with a cigar, I suppose. Um, and then there's there's like a little bit of teardown and cleaning afterwards and such. I really that really kind of appealed to me, and also just the objects themselves. I mean, just the the idea of the pipe itself. It seemed I don't know. It, it's, it's there's there seemed to be something a little bit more special about it, if for no other reason than there was a device that you used. Right? you have yeah. this pipe and it's you know, it's this kind of cool little trinket that you use when you uh when you smoke the tobacco. So instead of a cigar where it's just simply gone and you toss it, you know. All right. So let's Does back, that make any
0: sense? That makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh let's back up. You went to school for art or drawing or uh something talented? But...
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I uh I I basically, I took a few classes up up in Chicago, up near Chicago, uh, mainly because I had met this, uh, this artist out of Chicago, this oil painter in Chicago, and he taught a couple of classes at the, uh, local community college. So I took some of those classes and I basically tried to discovered, you know what, this is what I want to learn how to do. I want to learn how to paint. So, uh, I was about 19, 20 years old time. And, uh so that's what I did, and then eventually I figured I needed to, I would probably, probably be a pretty good idea if I had something besides a pat on the back from this painter in Chicago saying, congrats, you're you're a decent painter. <laughs> so uh, so I went down to a small liberal arts college down in Jacksonville, Alabama, uh, called Jacksonville State University. I uh, got a bachelor of fine art there uh, with an emphasis in oil painting and uh, and uh, printmaking, and then from there I came up to Purdue to pursue a master's degree in fine art, uh, again with a painting and uh, printmaking emphasis. So
0: when you mean painting and printmaking, painting is obviously on canvas or with whatever stuff, but are we talking like printmaking, like the old-fashioned, old-style?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Etching with with a manual press, yeah mainly etchings and lithographs, so pretty much everything I've always done has been kind of old school in that uh, the uh, theres there's um, there's uh, if you want to say more modern ways of doing something like say lithography, which is a printmaking technique. but the way that I did it is i so with lithography, you create an image traditionally on a piece of limestone that you grind down by hand, level it by hand, and then you put it through a chemical process so that when you draw on it with this greasy crayon, you can then ink it and repeat that image um, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, most people use an aluminum plate. When I was in grad school, everybody used aluminum plates because it was much easier. You didn't have to level the stone yourself by hand. There was no, uh, there was no real physical labor in, in just simply preparing the surface. But uh, I don't know. I always like that kind of thing. So I always, I don't know. I took a certain amount of pride in, no, I'm going to grind my own stones. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do. That. I'm going to do it exactly how they did it back in the 19th century, right? So, yeah. <laughs> the, uh So and that's how it. That's how it's always been, I suppose. Which maybe is the appeal to pipe. is a pipe smoking over cigars, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that whole ritual of getting everything
0: i'm thinking the only older form of of artwork would either be uh, stone tablet carving or cave drawings right <laughs> so now what are you doing for a full-time career because artists tend not to make a lot of money
5: right right so how do i eat yeah. so he um I, so as I was exiting graduate school, a, a position came open in the student services office for the College of Liberal Arts. The, uh, it, it was advising art and design students. So it was an academic advisor advising art and design students. So I thought, okay, full-time job at a uh, Big Ten University uh, requires a master's degree in fine arts. Uh, probably not a bad idea. Right. So I'll do this. Uh, that was, so I said, oh, I'll do this for a little while. Right. And then we'll see what's happening. That was about 15 years ago. So I'm still, still in that office. That was the office where Adam Davidson saw the, uh, the cigars and got me to, uh, to buy a pipe. So the, um, so anyhow, uh, now I'm, I'm the assistant director in that office now. So.
0: so, so so that they won't, so that you won't escape. They've uh, promoted you and you know, like uh, baited you there with like more money and you know, security and stuff.
5: Right, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. So then, uh, so now, yeah, now I'm the assistant director. That's why I've been traveling. Uh, uh, for, that's why I've been traveling as part of that position, but uh, doing student recruitment and internationally and stuff like that. Um, the um, So anyway, yeah, so that's what I've been doing as a living basically for the last 15 years. I advise art students, and then I help run the office that basically uh, does everything from academic advising to uh, study abroad is in there, um, career development, all of that for the College of Liberal Arts at Purdue.
0: We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about travel and pipe making and uh, maybe more about Adam Davidson. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
3: Meet Josh. Everyone at smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us. At 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com.
0: Welcome back. We're still visiting with John Crosby and... John, so you mentioned you've traveled you've been traveling for work Where all have you gone
5: uh, i have uh, a couple of years it must have been two years ago the first time I traveled um, at least other than to like a conference or something here in the states is uh I went to Beijing, china, and Shanghai for about two weeks huh. um, we have uh, we have a pretty Pretty large international population of students at Purdue, so uh, they we have a big enough population of Chinese students that they decided that the Purdue would sell a, send a delegation to Beijing and in, in Shanghai to uh, to do an orientation session for incoming Chinese students, so um, to help prepare them to uh, come in. So when they came to the states, kind of make the landing as soft as possible for them. So I handled the liberal arts part of that. So any of those students coming into liberal arts, I basically uh, did a presentation for them discussing everything from academic requirements to, uh, well, mainly academic requirements, degree requirements, and basically kind of giving them an idea of what to expect if you're coming to the United States to go to school, right, for them and their parents. Uh, we did one of those in Beijing and then we, uh, then we traveled to Shanghai and did another one of those in Shanghai. Uh, it was a, we were, uh, we were in each city for about six, seven days, I suppose. Wow.
0: That had to be a little different.
5: Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, the, um, you know, people ask you, what can you do with a fine arts degree? Uh, Apparently you can go to China, (laughs) but the, uh. Um, you can, uh, um, but anyhow, yeah, no, that was, it was a, it was a fantastic trip. We got the, we got a part of it was a kind of a cultural thing too. So we, we visited a few universities that Purdue has, uh, partnerships with. Uh, we saw, did did a lot of sightseeing and stuff like that as well while we were there. So yeah, the, uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, my first impression of China, I suppose, You know, as a young man in America growing up was watching, you know, Tiananmen Square unfold, right? So on television when I was, I don't know, I must have done it in high school time, maybe? Uh, If you'd have told me that I'd be standing in the middle of Tiananmen Square at some point uh, when I was 40, I probably would have said, yeah, I doubt that. But (laughs) as it it turns out, there I was.
0: (laughs) Uh, any good uh, pipe smoking stories while you were uh, while you were overseas?
5: Um, not so much in China. However, this past year, I spent about two of those two of the months out of last year in in Singapore. Uh, I had developed a study abroad program in Singapore that was internship based, so I had. Uh, Contacted some alumni that were living and working in Singapore, uh, as executives in different corporations. And so anyway, I contacted them and convinced a few of them to let me bring some Purdue students over and let them do internships for the summer. So that, that involved a couple of trips to Singapore. So, uh, so in any case, I land in Singapore. My first trip over there was for, was for about a week and a half or so and uh, meeting with all these guys. And I get a message on my Facebook. From a Singaporean who's in uh, who's uh, who, who is Facebook friends with Lee von Ark, <laughs> and uh, she was Facebook friends of Lee. I guess I think she was a, a, a pipe customer of his, and she anyhow she had seen on Facebook through his page or something I suppose had requested to be a friend of mine on Facebook, and then saw that I was in Singapore, so contacted me and um had told me about a pipe club there so I was like wow Singapore is known for being very strict on things right and uh tobacco is one of them only it's 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 strict in that they don't like you to bring it into the country and they tax it really heavily I mean like a lot of places so anyhow I was I was I was a little bit surprised to find that there was a pipe um was a pipe club because it it doesn't seem to be a, a terribly friendly place for people just walking around openly smoking. <laughs> um, but apparently, as long as it's a dedicated smoking place, a smoking area, you can do it in a Starbucks uh, over on Orchard Road in, uh, in Singapore is apparently a place where you can sit and about 15 people can sit and smoke a pipe. So I was, in that way, it was a little bit... Uh, it was a little bit more laid back than it is here in the states. <laughs> I don't. I cannot think of a, uh, uh, I cannot think of a Starbucks here in the states that I've ever seen that would let you sit outside on one of their tables, about fifteen of you, and smoke pipes.
0: No, I just had one in uh, in Hamburg, Germany, that uh, had a great smoking patio and wonderful umbrellas. And, oh, really? Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go out of the state, out Germany's of the U.S. to find. Yeah, you got to go out of the US to find a good free place to smoke. Um yeah, right? <laughs> now let's go back to pipe making. I mean, obviously you with your artist background, you wanted to you started looking at the shapes and I'm assuming you said, "Hey, I want to try that."
5: Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. So, like I said, I hadn't been smoking a pipe very long and I went ahead and just went over to the Chicago Pipe Show to take a look at pipes and such. So I arrived at the Chicago Pipe Show. This would have been uh, probably about the two thousand three show, I suppose it must have been. And uh, the first table I walked up to was Peter Heishen. Oh
0: boy!
5: And so here I am, huh? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah. So Peter Heishen is the first table I walk up to. So I, uh, I look at. I'm looking at this table right, and I've got i've got my little savinelli second in my hand um and i'm looking at these pipes and i see this long shanked p-shape right and i'm i'm looking at it and i'm like i'm thinking to myself that is exactly what a pipe should look like like that's that's really a beautiful that's a beautifully made thing and uh so i look at it right and um and like most people who had just been smoking a pipe for three months, I pick it up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's way more expensive than this pipe I've bought. Uh, so, so anyway, I thought that really, that's a really a, a fantastic pipe. So I talked with him a little bit, right? And then uh, I talked with a few other guys. I met Brian. I knew him from the online, the MSN group. Uh So I got to meet him. Uh, a few other guys. So I started talking. Uh, Kirk Bosey was one of the first playmakers I, I I encountered too. I don't know if you remember him from. Uh, he's out of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, and Michael Parks. Michael Parks was Michael Parks was a guy I had met at that same show as well that I talked at length with. So I talked I talked with all these guys about pipe making, and I talked with Michael Parks because, if I remember correctly, he's an art he was an art student as well. So I'm talking to him about art and teaching art and things like this. Well, I decided, you know what? I've uh, never done much sculptural work before, but I think I'd really like to try and make one of these things, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I, so I decided I was going to do that, and I contacted—I think it was it was Kirk Bosey out of out of uh, Chicago. I contacted him and I said, "Look, can I buy some blocks of wood from you? If you can just." put some molded stems in them and drill them because I didn't have any machinery to do that. And I just like to shape a few of them. Right. So he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do these. Right. And I forget what he charged me for them, but I bought 10 of them and he, uh, he got them done for me and sent them to me. And, uh, I, I ruined about eight of them. uh, Probably. (laughs) And, uh, Two of them looked okay, so that was enough to keep me motivated, right? So I contacted Kirk and said, hey, can I get 10 more of these things? And uh, he was kind of like, what happened to the first 10? I'm like, you don't want to know. But uh, the, uh, so so he sent me 10 more, and then this time I only ruined maybe four of them, right? So, (laughs) so it was it seemed to be getting better but no i started from there and then i started uh i just started i just kind of bu- I just kind of got the bug and just started making them right so eventually i uh, i decided okay i'm going to start you know making my own and and, and drilling them and such and uh early on kirk and uh um, tyler beard were probably the two two biggest help I had with that. Tyler had just started making advice maybe a year before me or something, maybe. Um, he, he turned out to be a great resource. Uh, I was I was. poor Tyler. I was calling him like twice a week, probably. <laughs> but um, he uh, and at first I was just, I was I, I, I taught myself I say taught myself. I practice making pipes the same way, you know, I kind of have students practice drawing, right? You've got a thousand lousy drawings in you. You can either spend your whole life making one drawing a week and spend your whole life drawing nothing but lousy drawings, or you can do a bunch of them every week and pretty soon in a couple months, all your lousy drawings are gone. The rest of them are good, right? So, It's kind of the approach I took. So I just kept making pipes and making pipes and, uh, but I wasn't drilling, I wasn't, I was drilling, but I wasn't hand making stems at this point. I figured out, my idea was at the time, I'll get good at drilling pipes, I'll get good at shaping pipes and finishing pipes, and then I'll worry about making mouthpieces. So it got to the point where I was making, I was kind of buying these really clunky, really oversized molded mouthpieces, and I was, uh, I was shaping them. Along with the pipe, just to be whatever I wanted it to be, and uh it got to the point where Tyler said he wasn't going to return any more of my calls unless I started handmaking my own mouthpieces so, <laughs> um, so so then I said, okay, okay and uh so that's when uh i I started buying a little bit more equipment and stuff and a small little tiny metal lathe that was made by Tag, they were these tiny little metal that are really just kind of toys, really, but they're really not bad machines, they're just not really, uh, they're not made for making anything much larger than a pen, you know, so, but, uh, it worked fine for me at that time, but, uh then eventually I got a few, a little better machinery and such, and then, uh, kind of took off, so, yeah, I was pretty, pretty steady, I'd say, until about... Three years ago, maybe, and then that's when I got busy, and something, uh, something I had to give. I mean, I was always part time. I was always part time. I was never a full time pipe maker, but, uh, but I was probably making a pipe every couple weeks anyway, at least um, one a week, maybe, maybe a couple a week. Well, one a week was probably at my peak. Who am I kidding? But uh, the, um, but anyhow, yeah. In the last few years, I haven't. I. I still have all my equipment. I've made like three or four pipes in the last couple of years, uh, mainly for uh, family members as gifts, my, you know, my dad. And uh, I made a couple for one. I coach a soccer team, my, one of my daughter's soccer teams. One of the parents on there, her grandfather smokes a pipe. She found out that I make pipes. So I, uh, I've i made a couple of pipes for for her to give to her dad. Or grandfather or somebody but uh but now that's pretty much been new say of my fight making for the last uh, last few years so anybody listening to this here you know, there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this who are going to listen to this here to word, the, the name john crosby and they're going to think who, who who is this guy i've never heard of this guy but
0: <laughs> or, or they're going to say wait i remember him is he still alive
5: yeah, where did he go? Where?
0: <laughs> where he where he That's went. I
5: heard he got arrested
0: in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, for smoking. Uh where where he went was right. he's got kids and a wife and a promotion and uh, and bills to pay. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so the uh I guess if I'd played it right, I could have had the the pipes helping out with that bills to pay, but <laughs> there's some about them giving you more money at work they want you to do more work. I don't know it's weird that way uh
0: yeah, sometimes that works for me too um what was yeah. your <laughs> what, what was your favorite part of of making a pipe, or what is
5: uh I you know what there's it goes in stages uh. I really like polishing, watching the wood is so beautiful that pipes are made out of, the briar. I mean, it polishes like a stone, right? And, uh, and it's really something else when you get to that final stage, and you're doing that final buffing. And in the early parts of polishing a pipe and, and buffing a pipe, it, 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 when you first stain it, the first, I remember the first time I stained the pipe. And you put this this dye on there to stain it, and it it dries very, very matte and I remember freaking out the first time, like I've done something horribly wrong because this is supposed to be shiny, right, <laughs> and it's matte and it's terrible looking but then you hit it on the buffing wheel, and then you put some wax on it, and then suddenly it's this jewel right and that's really a, a pretty amazing part. Um, I like that part. I like um there's a there's a point when you're shaping where it just clicks and it and, and, and the shape comes and the shape comes into form and it's you just know it's right. You know? So at that point where you know you know you've done something correctly. You know what I mean? That part with the actual the initial carving part when you're roughing it out and you can see this thing kind of takes shape that's a really it's a really cool part of pipe making too
0: yeah and i you know i may be completely wrong but uh, you know in, in my opinion which i'm the leading expert on my own opinion uh you were one of uh-huh. the, you were one of the first ones where i saw kind of a compact or stubby style of pipe from was yeah was that you, or yeah, was that somebody time,
5: else? Yeah, no, that was me. That was me. I was making these tiny fat pipes, right? Yeah. And uh, and so um, so I'm making these pipes, and I'm thinking, oh, these are kind of cool. Like, I'll just make. I I was approaching it just like an oil painter. I'm going to paint what I like to paint, and if people like it, fine. If they don't, fine. Right? Is <laughs> basically the kind of the attitude I took, but. Um, At the time, everybody was making much bigger pipes. When I went to the Chicago Pipe Show and saw the Danes, however, I saw the pipes do not have to be huge. Um, Up till then, I'd say most of my uh, influence as far as looking at handmade pipes has been mainly a number of Italian makers and uh, some of the American makers at the time. And basically I uh, was, you know, you kind of get into a thought of if a pipe isn't six inches long, then it's just, you know what I mean? And it's not really big enough. Um, but uh, so I started making these, these compact kind of, I like the idea of making a pipe where, you know, you take a photograph of it and it looks like this powerful little, this powerful thing, right? Like it's kind of muscular, kind of meaty, right? But then in, in actuality, it's not that it's not that large. There's like this compact kind of powerful look to it, right? It's kind of what I was. It's kind of what I was thinking. I didn't really go out to make that kind of thing either, though. I uh, I just kind of made pipes and said, "Yeah, kind of like that." Do a couple of drawings. Yeah, kind of like that too. And then it, I kind of just let them kind of evolve on their own. Really, I was just carving them, and then what I saw. And make 10 of them and there'd be some things within those 10 that i liked some aspects of them so i'm like all right i'm gonna make another pipe that has those aspects in it right so i'll have the so the shanks were you know but i i heard all the time uh shanks are too fat mouthpiece is too short overall the pipe's not big enough nobody's gonna to want to buy it you know <laughs> i was like well i don't know so I made a few of them, and I brought them to the Chicago Pipe Show, and then suddenly I kind of stumbled onto this market of people who were like, oh, it's so nice to see somebody making smaller pipes. Yeah. That still kind of had the feel of a larger pipe, I guess, when you held it. Yeah, and who they, knows, maybe they were clunky and big, but yeah. <laughs> maybe they were too fat, but anyway, they were, they were kind of cool.
0: <laughs> or somebody making something completely different than what everybody else was doing at the time.
5: I suppose, I mean, I've never really considered myself a renegade in, in that respect or anybody who was, who was terribly, uh, who was terribly, uh, innovative as far as that goes. But the, uh, cause I, the other thing is I never, I've never really made anything terribly wild. Uh, it's all, I think that all my, I like to think anyway, people can tell me if I'm wrong, but I like to think that my pipes have always, they, they look like they belong in this day and age. However, there's a, certain, there's a certain callback to classical. I mean, there's at least a hint of kind of a classical pipe shape in it, right? But, uh, you know, you just kind of take those and you kind of tweak the lines here and there. You, you play around with the proportions a little bit. What if I made that? What if it came out and got real fat right where the mouthpiece meets the end of the shank instead of just being a straight line, right? What if these curved out and then came back in before they went to the button? On the uh, on the stem, what if you know? What I mean, what if you did that? What if you can't? What if you made you know? What if you I canted that bowl forward a little bit more and made a little fatter, like a cannon or something, right? <laughs> so you just make one and you see what it looked like. And the nice thing about pipe making is, from a from a, a selling standpoint, when you want to try and sell these things to people, is. It's almost as if there's an owner for every single pipe out there, regardless of what pipe you've made, there's an owner out there for it. You just have to you just have to wait until the owner finds it, and once he finds it, they'll buy it. you know so I think as long as I think as long as you kind of that's the way I always approached it anyway. I mean, I didn't want to try and chase what I thought was trendy, I suppose
0: I think as long as the pipe maker makes something that they like making. It comes out well
5: oh absolutely. I think that certainly is true. I think you I think that's true with anything i think if if somebody truly enjoys what they're doing and, they're, they're, and you, I think that comes across in the work, regardless regardless of what they're doing
0: and then the uh, the last question before we wrap this up, um, mm-hmm. besides a student of Purdue, what is a boilermaker?
5: uh boilermaker uh it was that came from i mean that came from the whole when Purdue was founded right at the land grant university it was basically geared towards uh engineering and agriculture so with engineering came machi- uh, you know uh making machines right so as far as uh, it's literally a person who makes boilers for a train is what it is for a steam train for a steam locomotive so it's one of the reasons why it's the reason why we have a train as one of our uh as one of our symbols
0: and that's one of the reasons Uh, why the
5: guy the guy with the big head (laughs) that's
0: why that's why i actually like the university because i knew the answer
5: right (laughs) so the uh it's uh it's funny. Uh, yeah, I get that question. I get a question quite often, like, what exactly is a Boilermaker? And you want to tell him, you want to just give him a recipe for the drink, right? You know, Yeah, the name's after that. <laughs> that might be a little fooler, but nope, that's not what it is. It's uh, literally a guy who makes boilers for a steam locomotive, but uh, yeah, it's always kind of stuck. There was a while there, we had a Griffin as our symbol. Uh, you know, like a half eagle, half lion type thing. I'm not sure. They did a – we had a president of the university come in about nah, maybe 10 years ago or so, and they did away with the griffin. They were like, that's silly. We're not going to have that. So, <laughs> so we, uh, we, uh, we still have one in our building. We have a big stone uh, – a big round stone uh, wall decoration that has the griffin on it. But I think it's just still there because nobody wants to pay the money to move it.
0: It's pretty big, but <laughs> John, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready?
5: Okay, sure, I'm ready.
0: What is your favorite pipe?
5: Oh, my favorite pipe. Okay, let me see. Let me. This is five fast five questions. though. So fast being uh, my my favorite pipe is. I finally acquired a. Uh, the P-Shape a few years ago. A long shank, sandblasted, Heachin P-Shape. I would say that, I mean, it's kind of like my favorite songs. It changes all the time. But if I had to choose one, Heachin P-Shape is my favorite. Um, are you talking about ones that I, did you want me to say one that I made?
0: Nope, whatever came to your mind. That's your okay. answer. Your no, stock. that's
5: probably it. That's the one that kind of started it all. So, yeah, I finally acquired one of those. I'd say that uh, that's one I'll probably never get rid of.
0: What's your favorite tobacco?
5: My favorite tobacco is uh, McClellan's 5100.
0: And what is your favorite drink, and you cannot say Boilermaker?
5: Okay, my favorite drink is just uh, a decent bourbon with two ice cubes in it. Uh, Generally, I drink Buffalo Trace.
0: When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
5: Uh, a movie
0: and the last question do you have a, a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about
5: <clears throat> I introduced uh, I introduced uh, a couple of the uh, a German pipe makers Adam and I introduced them to White Castle hamburgers oh no uh, there was a tradition that we had we would buy a, a 30 pack of sliders at the uh, Chicago pipe show uh, the second day of the pipe show and uh, we uh, we gave one to Roger Wallenstein to have him try it, and uh, he asked us what it was, and we told him it was a hamburger, and he says it doesn't look like a hamburger. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know, but I said just taste it, just taste it, and uh, he tasted it, and the 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 expression on his face is pretty priceless. But uh, his his only words after tasting it was, well, it's tender. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. So, if you want to find one of John's pipes, I'm going to guess it's going to be in a state or at a pipe show somewhere. And uh, other than that, John, hopefully, uh, you know, when the kids graduate and are moving on, you'll get a chance to come back to making pipes again.
5: That's true. I'll have to find something to do. That'll probably be it.
0: (laughs) Thanks for uh, (laughs) taking the time out of the schedule to join us, and uh, it's been fun.
5: Thank you very much, Brian. It was a pleasure.
0: We'll be back with the show in just a minute.
4: It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep rich burlies with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water. The slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sudliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. This is
0: Internet Radio.
1: Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas!
0: Now I want to try a Boilermaker. All right, we are back and, uh no christmas no christmas would be complete without music from the one and only bing crosby yeah singer pipe smoker even has a pipe shape named after him so here's our uh, our dose of bing crosby for the holidays
6: yourself a merry little Christmas Let yourself be light From now on our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away Here we are as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more the years we all will be together if the fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So, have yourself a merry little Christmas now. have yourself a merry little Christmas now.
0: I think I just decided on uh, Christmas Eve late at night after uh, watching the NORAD Santa Tracker, santatracker.org, I think i'll sit down with my uh with my big meerschaum pipe and put some bing crosby on and that'll be how we uh end christmas eve here you've got some mail and don't forget a special holiday treat at the end of the show yeah all the way after the rant instead of happy trails got a little dose of Burr lives so stay with us all the way for that uh thank you all for all the uh Christmas greetings and holiday greetings and stuff that I've gotten over Facebook and email over the past weeks. It is absolutely wonderful. In the mailbag, uh, John Siler writes, Hi Brian, I had comments but unfortunately forgot to log in to post them. Your interview with Kent was good and he makes some nice pipes. I'll have to run into him to see his pipes at a show. I had more but you know how it is when you get older or you'll learn how it is soon enough. I like the Jody Davis group music, but Helix was a bit fast, good show. Uh, Scrap liked Helix. He'd heard it before, too. Uh, Lonesome Piper writes, Hi, Brian. Really like this show. In Pipe Parts, I keep thinking about the irony of someone mentioning the Disney tobacco shop without knowing that you are such a fan. Um, Yeah, I wonder if if that was uh, somebody that actually knew and was poking at me. Anyway, hope he reaches out to me. Uh, The interview was great. After the show, I went on the web to see Kent's pipes, and I was really impressed with his shapes. Also, about tobacco preferences, it's quite interesting for me that that, like Kent, many of us start off with aromatics, kind of avoid or hate Virginia's advance to the mysteries of Orientals and English mixtures, and then comes back to Virginia's and stick to it for good. Why so? Uh, I, too, passed through the process, although after Virginia's, I fell in love with Burley's, too, but I still like a bit of everything. Now, that was a very nice initiative, indeed. Who are the lucky five ones? I sure missed it, but I tried anyway. Um, the lucky five ones, we'll just find out when a package shows up sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, one more thing, you look horrible in that picture, but the pipe is very nice, haha. <laughs> yeah, I hate taking selfies. I really do. I really do. I hate taking selfies. Um, I like audio. That's one of the reasons why I've got a face that's launched a thousand lunches and the perfect face for radio because uh, I hate taking selfies. Um, anyway, going back to the uh, you know why do they why does everybody end up in Virginias? I don't think they do. Um, I think it takes some time to uh, try out of Virginia because it's just not very descriptive of anything. I think uh, English blends talk about the smokiness and the subtleties of the aroma, and then the aromatics are very straightforward in what they're going to taste like and how they're going to work, and it just takes time to get to the Virginias and really sample the uh, the subtleties and the natural sweetness of a Virginia. KC uh, writes met Kent at the 2015 KC Pipe Show. Seemed like a very pleasant person. Some of his pipes at the show were stunning, others not so much. Not surprising for a new carver. Interesting that he mentioned Tyler Beard. I'm not sure Tyler gets the credit he should for helping and developing new carvers. Uh, Let me say, yeah, Tyler doesn't get the credit he deserves for uh, Pipe Makers Forum and for his information and willingness to help out. But over the years of doing this show... How many different pipe makers have you heard that have said Tyler Beard or pipe makers forum? Uh, Dan goes on to write, never quite got the Virginia bug. I do smoke them and vapors, but prefer a good rich English. The season of giving was a nice idea. I hope folks took advantage of it. In the spirit of giving, I'm going to give you a break by not commenting on either music selection. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Hope you liked Bing. Hope you like what I got stored up for you at the end of the show. And finally in the mailbag, George D. writes, I first saw Kent's Pipes this past summer at the Kansas City show. It was the first show he'd ever been to, and he'd done it old school. No muss, no fuss, no working the floor. He just rented a table, laid out his pipes, and sat quietly, making eye contact with passersby, waiting for people to stop and look. Shy? Actually, no. Just... "'Quiet, polite, and profoundly humble, I was soon to learn. Uh, "'It went like this. "'After walking past his table myself without stopping, "'I'd made a mental note to do so later, "'an old friend came up to me and started excitingly tugging my sleeve. "'You must see something right now, really. "'Come on, you can finish that later,' he said, "'and dragged me over to Kent's table.' I spent maybe three minutes looking closely at the pipes and immediately went off to find one of my old friends, tobacco meister extraordinaire and fellow carving contest judge Greg Pease, and started tugging his sleeve. You must see something, right now, really, come on, you can finish that later, I said. He apologized for my poor manners to the person he'd been talking to and said something like, Well, that was a dick move. This better be good, George, as we crossed the show floor. When we arrived at Kent's table, I said nothing, just handed him one of the pipes. He stayed quiet, maybe five seconds, slowly turning the pipe in his hands, then equally slowly letting out an involuntary, holy shite. Uh, It's not bad if you say it in British. Uh, He bought it on the spot. Then he went off to grab the sleeve of one of his friends. I'm not kidding, the embellishing a bit... From unknown carver to old hands asking him shop questions in a weekend, it was remarkable. Um, the way I got introduced to Kent's pipes and to Kent himself was by Greg P. saying, "You got to go look at this." So there you go. All right, don't forget uh, brand new episodes of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and then available on iTunes and all those other i things shortly thereafter. Please share the Pipes Magazine radio show with your friends and family or anybody else that you want to torture with this. Let everybody know about the Pipes Magazine radio show. I got a comment. Leave them right there at PipesMagazine.com, right on the forums. Or you can email me directly, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. In just a few minutes, the last of the holiday rant raves.
7: I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vive, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deals Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information.
2: Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? 4 stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from 4Noggins.com. is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. 4 for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
7: Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Cowboy. Cowboy.
0: This will be the first Christmas since uh, since he was born that uh, we won't have my son with us on Christmas Day. No, he'll be in Florida working at Walt Disney World. And it made me think, you know, this also, because of a confluence of events, we won't have any relatives with us either. Uh, so it'll be just the three of us here at home on Christmas morning, and then uh, later on that day some friends are coming over for dinner. So that's kind of our Christmas Day in a nutshell. And it made me think, you know, that, yeah, we feel for those people that have to work on Christmas Day for all the policemen, the firefighters, the nurses and doctors. We appreciate what they do. Uh, you know, and I was talking to my son about it for somebody like him who's working at Walt Disney World in a, at a theme park. Yeah, it might be tough working on Christmas Day, but really think of what he's got a chance to do is to help Help other people celebrate and create memories for their families. So, if you've got to go to work today on Christmas Day, you know, thank you for what you're doing, but also remember that you're helping everybody else celebrate and create memories for them. Uh, even if you're just taking tickets at a theater on Christmas Day, you've got a chance to really make, be part of somebody else's Christmas holidays and help their memories along. I told my son I wanted him to, on Christmas Day, I wanted him to try to reach out to three or four families and do something a little extra special for them, something that they would remember more than a week after leaving the parks and think that, man, that happened to me on Christmas Day and it was because of that nice young guy that did that. Uh, You know, those of you that can't be with your family or with your friends... On Christmas Day, yeah, it's tough, but think of all the times that you have been and when you're with people, like our friends that are coming over, that'll be our special thing for Christmas Day. So, the basics are, thank you to those that have to work on Christmas Day. We appreciate it. We appreciate you making or helping make our Christmas Day a little better and a little happier. Um, speaking of Christmas... Uh, Christmas presents in the morning or uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, we do the morning. So there you go. I want to thank John Crosby for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, stay tuned. Instead of Happy Trails, we've got Burr Lives reading The Night Before Christmas. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and until next time.
8: had just settled down for a long winter's nap when out on the lawn arose such a clatter I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter away to the window I flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash the moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below when what wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick more rapid than eagles his coursers they came and he whistled and shouted and called them by name now dasher, now dancer, now prancer now fixin on comet, on cupid On Donner, on Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the ball, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so... Up to the housetop the coursers they flew With the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof The prancing and pawing of each little hoof As I drew in my head and was turning around Down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, And he looked like a peddler just opening his back. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry, His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, And the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wake of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spake not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night! Ho, ho, ho!
1: Merry Christmas!